Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now. Take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. Take it from the Iron Woman. We only have special guests. Today we have Tom with us. Tom from Staten Island. That's how we call him in our running group. Welcome, Tom, and introduce yourself a little bit. Who is Tom who's going to join us today? Hello, I'm Tom Joyce. I'm a native uh, New Yorker. was born in Brooklyn, but spent most of my life in Staten Island. Usually, I did all my running in Manhattan, because that's where I worked, and I used to run after work. But I do some running in Staten Island, but I don't do that much running anymore because the old knees are not quite what they used to be. Tom and I, we met in the running class, and I always know that Tom was a fast runner. I was like, if I caught you, oh my God, today I had a good day, or you probably didn't have such a good day. I remember those days, and these were the fun days, and we have our pizza running group. This is a very nice family that I have created for myself when moving to the U.S., but what we want to hear from you is about the marathon and more so the volunteering for the marathon. I think sometimes the volunteers, they get forgotten. What do you do as a volunteer? Well, it started 43 years ago when they went from originally the New York City Marathon was run in Manhattan. Started running in Central Park and then they ran around Manhattan. Then after, I think it was the sixth year They were, Fred LeBeau, the president of the New York Roadrunners Club, was able to convince the city to allow him to run in all five boroughs. Friends of mine, Vic and Joanne Navarra, they were in charge of the Staten Island start. You're not, you're not in Staten Island very long for as far as actually running the marathon, although you may spend quite a number of hours here because you get there early enough to, to relax and get to your starting location, et cetera. But Vic and Joanne put together a group of about 20 to 25 of their friends, myself being one of them. We did virtually all of the setup of the of the fort back in those days. It's at Fort Wadsworth in Staten Island, right at the foot of the uh, Verrazano Bridge. And the volunteers, again, this 20 to 25 people, We set up the fencing. We didn't set up the porta potties. We had them. We had them placed where they should be. All of the corralling, etc., was all done by these volunteers. And again, it was all people that most of the people were already runners, but not all of them. We all knew each other, and we got to know each other even better as year after year we would come back to to do the start. And a number of us used to take. Uh, a full week off for vacation before the marathon so that we could be there to to assist in, in everything that had to get done. Back at the beginning, 
I don't know how many runners there were, but probably four to 5,000 maybe. There wasn't wave starts or anything. It was just, there was three different start lines as there is now. And everybody just went at once. It was a rather quick start once you got to that point. All the same functions that are being done now were done back then probably with some differences maybe just because of the numbers. Although this year the numbers will be down probably to 35, 36,000 runners. The past few marathons before the pandemic was in the 53,000 range. They advertise it as the largest marathon in the world and I assume if they're advertising it that way, it must be. <laughs> it must be true. I remember uh, my first marathon was in 1993 on the Verasana Bridge. And for me, standing there was always the biggest honor. I sometimes, I remember with Andrea, sometimes we would have tears in our eyes. Yeah. And when we hear the national anthem, it's very special. I think the last few years I ran, I was like, I'm a chosen one because a lot of people want to be there. They don't get in because there's a lottery. Maybe this year, because there's fewer people, they have more. And one year, I remember I saw you at the start. You remember that? It was so funny. Out of the 20, 30,000, we, we saw each other. Yeah, I think I was standing off to the left. And yeah. uh, you were approaching me like, oh, wow. And every yeah. year, there's always something, somebody that you meet or know. Uh, yeah. Right now, I, when I first started, I was a bus greeter. As the people got off the bus, we just directed them as to where they had to go and told them to have a good run. And mm. we had to make sure that they had a an authorized number for the race. Believe it or not, people try and sneak in to run mm -hmm. 26.2 uh, miles. And, and from that, I moved on to I was security for the elite runners. There's a, a little gym at Fort Wadsworth, where they used to put all of the elite runners, both male and female, because they didn't have two separate starts back then like they do now. And that was kind of cool because uh, you got to see all of the all, all of the winners of the race were in there. They're normal people just like we are, and uh, they get nervous and excited. And for them, a lot of them now especially, it's also a payday. Those people that finish in, in the higher portion of the race, they get prize money. Back then, there was no such thing as prize money. But it was probably money under the table to get the people there, but but no yeah. but no prize money. I ended up getting assigned to the Green Start. Now I'm at the Green Start and the the local elites, mm -hmm. which are the club runners. Every club gets a certain number of runners that they can get to start up in that first wave of the of the Green Start. Yeah. So, I remember those days. Yeah, that was very yeah. special. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's and they still keep that. They have. A number of special groups, obviously, the, the winners now or the potential winners are, they're not even kept at the base anymore. They're kept off site and they come mm -hmm. in right before the start of the race type of thing because the, the race just got so big mm -hmm. that Fort Wadsworth was just running out of room where to put all of these people. So all of the about 100 or so elite runners will have a, a special spot a little off the bit, not that far away, obviously, but mm -hmm. off the base where they will congregate and do their exercising and stuff before the race, and then they'll come in. Mm. But the local elites, which are the club runners, they, they don't get quite as much a privilege as that. They, they do get uh, to go to the beginning of the uh, the green start. That's pretty helpful for a lot of them. And it, it's a nice little perk for them. It's the, 
New York Road Runners is basically saying thank you for supporting us during the year because the club runners do do a lot uh, for the, the New York Road Runners Club itself. This was their way of saying thank you and letting it right up front. Then they're, then they're on their own. <laughs> they're on their own once the gun gets off. What yeah, kind of yeah. stories do you have? You you said you've done it 44 years. And this is this year will be the 50th anniversary, so 44 years in a row. I think you need to also mention one year you were a volunteer, but you also ran the marathon. How crazy is that? That was super crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually run the New York City Marathon three times, and each time I also volunteered. You're on your feet for four or five hours before the race. Mm-hmm. And that's the time you should be resting your legs. It, it's all worked out. My best times have never been in New York. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I enjoyed running. And being that I lead the runners out to the start line uh, on the green start, one year we were, I was going out with the runners and we were bringing them out. And I was working with somebody from the New York Road Runners Club. And on my way out knowing that we were getting close to the start, I took off my sweatshirt and my New York Roadrunners jacket, et cetera, and gave it to, I think my daughter was with me that year and she held it for me till after the race. And, and then all of a sudden I'm walking around in the front telling people what to do. And the gentleman from Roadrunners club turns around and sees a runner where he's not supposed to be. So mm-hmm. he comes running and starts yelling at me until I turn around. He goes, Oh, it's you. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm running, but uh, I'm also a volunteer. It worked out fine. He wished me a good race, and uh, I handed him my bullhorn. And I took. I don't. I don't go out with the the very first runners because I'm not that kind of. Uh, I don't have that much speed. But I did get out in that first wave anyway. It was good. Mm-hmm. Since my kids have, I have one daughter, one son. They usually back in those days would volunteer with me also. Now they have their own families. They, they don't have as much time to, to, mm-hmm. to do that. They've, they've always uh, enjoyed coming down and helping. And it's the kind of thing that, again, since we started with 20, 25 people, we've seen generations of people mm-hmm. come and, and help. That group has sort of splintered out a little bit now because people move. And since the race just got so enormous with the number of people, that it's it's a lot more, I don't know what the proper word would be there's still volunteers there but they need so many more volunteers Mm -hmm. and a lot of those original 2025 there's probably eight to ten of us still left but the other people have either moved or in some cases passed on because it's been such a long time but Mm -hmm. some of them have their sons and their daughters and whatever that are coming up the ranks also as volunteers to assist don't know if i should term it as a fun day but it's a good day uh, and you hope to get good weather for the for the runners, and typically that has been the case. A special day for all the runners. Our hearts are beating a little higher. You have been or you will be in the Hall of Fame. Tell us about that. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right before the pandemic, I mm-hmm. guess, and it actually happened during 2019, the uh, New York Road Runners started a volunteer Hall of Fame. They inducted 10 people that first year, myself being one of those people. I have a nice mm-hmm. little Tiffany apple with my achievement on it, nice. uh, which, yeah, which, which is a nice honor. There's a plaque, although I haven't, with the pandemic, I haven't been up to the New York Roadrunners Club in quite a while. There is a plaque up there somewhere that 
lists those people that are have been put into the volunteer hall of fame. I was the only one from Staten Island. The rest of the, I mean, there's volunteers, obviously, in all the boroughs. The uh, most of us spread out, and in the longer courses, like in Brooklyn and Queens, we're running for big distance. Obviously, Manhattan is a big number of volunteers, and that's probably had the most people put into the Hall of Fame was Manhattan. I'm very honored to have you on the podcast, like somebody who is in the Hall of Fame. And you can do it too. Just volunteer for 43 straight years and you'll, okay. be, and you'll be in. As a runner, for me, the first few years when I was there, again, it's a super honor to be there. But what I think is impressive to see is like how many people are bringing their sweaters, their extra pants, their sometimes shoes, blankets and stuff. And then you put them in boxes or, I mean, it's filled with goodies and it goes to somebody who is in need. I think that's also something that I want to mention that, yes, we look at the fast runners, but runners can also be donating their stuff that they don't need anymore for somebody who is in need. Yeah, exactly. They have containers there at, at the beginning of the race mm -hmm. where you can actually put your any discarded clothing. And Goodwill is the name of the group that actually collects it all with a big assist from uh, UPS. UPS does a lot for the New York City mm -hmm. Marathon. And they collect that. And I don't think it all gets actually used for it's a sweatshirt. It, not, not all of that gets put back on somebody else's back. I think a lot of it gets turned into other things that they sell mm -hmm. that they can keep providing services, meals, et cetera, and clothes for those people that need it. Mm -hmm. But it, it's a huge effort with being at the start. After that last wave goes through, in between each wave, they try and clear a path for the next wave that's <laughs> coming out. And if it's a nice day, people will be shedding a lot more clothing. <laughs> Whereas if it's a little on the cool side, especially the runners in the back will be uh, holding on to uh, their sweatshirts and sweatpants mm -hmm. and everything. I've actually, I mean, runners often in races have what they call a throwaway. When you go to a race, and I usually do at least one half marathon a year now, if you have a throwaway, especially in the colder weather, You actually have that, but it's something that you're not, you don't want back again. You throw it away. A lot of times, especially with that first wave, you have runners, especially the international runners who were here. They, they've just bought all new stuff. Some of them, that, because some of them come back year after year, especially with the, the local competitive group. They know they come over to me and say, well, would you want this sweatshirt uh, or this sweater or whatever yourself? If it's brand new and whatever, you know, sometimes I'll say yes. That'll be my throwaway for for the next race. We've recycled it for at least two races anyway. Most of them are brand new. Maybe because they're the fast runners, you get their energy, it drops off, and that's why you're so fast. Now I get your secret. <laughs> well, I, I used to be a, a decent runner, and you were always coaching whatever back in those days. My knees just don't carry me that fast anymore. I do more walking than I do running, but... As they okay. say, every day you get out there, that was a good day. Hopefully this year you get a nice jacket or a nice sweater. You might not see as many of the people that usually come back here if they've, they've got their wish of, of lower numbers. It would have been nice if they could have still done their 50,000 plus runners out there. But going to be a good day. 
And we'll see Tom out there. Thank you so much, Tom, for sharing. And also congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. How nice to talk to Tom from Staten Island, the volunteer for 44 years. 44 years. Every first Sunday in November, he's at the start line. Take it from the Iron Woman. We have episodes every Monday, every Wednesday, or even more, especially when the marathon week is coming up. There's something for everybody. Get inspired and also get the book, Take It From The Iron Woman, Global Business Coaching with Sports Parallels. Get it now. Don't miss out. Thank you so much for your support.